Okay, please turn to the Gospel according to Luke. I'll be reading Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke 5, 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he, had, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. For now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought the boats to land, they left everything and followed Him. Lord, may we feel according to, by Your grace, appropriate feelings in this text toward you as Peter this morning. And in that way, use us and make us fishers of people to the glory of your name and to the eternal joy of those live fish caught for your kingdom. Amen. Was your <clears throat> calling to Jesus anything like what we read in this passage about Peter's experience? Was there something about your calling where you found yourself in, in life becoming fascinated with this Jesus character and paying attention to Him a little bit and a little bit and a little bit more 
And then there was a day or a period of time, a moment where things culminated in you really getting a glimpse of His holiness that exposes your sin. You feel it deeply to the point where you feel, oh no, woe is me, you must get away from me. But then you hear Jesus say, Fear not. Let me say it clearly. You hear very personally the gospel that says, Fear not. Because, Peter, put your name in there. I know everything about you. I know how sinful and God belittling and messed up you are. And because you know it too this way, here's the call. Not not a mere call that you hear on TV with Billy Graham sermon or something or in a church, but you hear a very particular personal call. Because of that now, come, follow And then you found that slowly, very imperfectly, He's molding you into be a fisherman of other people for this eternal, glorious life. That's the question. Is that you? In other words, what we're going to see that happened on this beach a few thousand years ago. So, as we go there and we look now at this text, let me just give a little preliminary on what we're going to see here. This is not the first time, the first day, the first week, the first month that Jesus encounters Peter or Peter encounters Jesus. Not at all. Actually, the Apostle John, who was there this day, he will, he, he's the one that lets us know of the very first encounter that Peter had with Jesus. Re- remember Peter's brother Andrew. He, he was a disciple of John the Baptist. And one day, John the Baptist says, look, there he goes, <laughs> the Lamb of God. And Andrew, really? He just basically left John the Baptist and followed this Jesus character and asked him, Master, where are you staying? Jesus said, come on, I'll show you. And Andrew went and got his brother, Peter, and said, I think we found the Messiah. And there, Peter meets Jesus. And he says, yeah, you're Simon. I'm going to call you now Cephas, in Greek, Petros, Peter. That encounter is probably the best we can figure out almost a year earlier than what we are reading this morning. And remember, so now what Luke has been giving us, and the Gospels are short, very selective parts of, of history and what they're going to put in there. And we've already seen in chapter 4, remember that Sabbath day, that church service, after church, Jesus goes to Peter's house for dinner. They know each other. Peter's been watching, hanging out. He's heard lots of sermons. And so have Andrew, who's most likely there this day on the beach, and James and John, they're disciples, they're really paying attention, they've seen miracles, but they're not yet 
apostles brought into this close network with Jesus to drop everything. And now their full-time ministry is with Him. That hadn't happened yet. And so, as we're going to start reading in verse 1, just got to feel the situation. They're not fishing because, like the license plate says, I'd rather be fishing, I mean, I've got to get away from my work and just enjoy casting a, a line. This is their business. And it's not fun. This is net fishing to earn a living and pay your employees. They've been fishing like they do all night long before sunup trying to find the fish. It is back-breaking work. These nets are massive. They go out, and I don't know how many they have in a boat, four or five in a boat, and these nets they would start throwing out. The boats are still moving it, and it's covering about a hundred feet, like a semicircle. And then you start pulling the nets hand over hand <sighs> all night long. Nothing. And you do it again. Nothing. And you do it again. Nothing. Okay, this is what happened before what we see right now. And the sun starts to come up. Bummer of a day at work. They come in, they beach their boats. It's not over yet. Now they've got to grab those nets out and they've got to clean them and mend them where they need to be mended. They've got to lay them out properly to dry as the hot sun now is coming up and then repack them and fold them and put them in the boat. They're exhausted. They're tired. It's getting hotter and hotter. And we pick up in chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion... While the crowd was pressing in on Him, that is Jesus, in order to hear the Word of God, He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and He saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, it's Peter's, he asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, so in our journey through Luke, we see now, Jesus has been at it for slowly, probably close to a year. Especially in the region of Galilee. His popularity is growing. We have seen. Forget about the miracles. Just the way the guy teaches, people were stunned at the authority and then the healings and the miracles and so they're they're at work they're getting to the end of the day they can't wait to get some food and go home and go to sleep and they're tired and oh yeah so here comes our buddy Jesus and look at the crowd and he comes up towards the shore of this is the Sea of Galilee called the Lake of Gennesaret the Jordan feeds into it one side and goes out the other it's pretty large it's across you got eight miles across and about 14 miles Long, okay. This is where they make their living, and Jesus sees his buddy Peter. Okay, he gets in his boat. Push me out twenty, thirty feet. Crowd comes up to the beach, sits down, turns Peter's boat into a pulpit, and he teaches. I guess they're still finishing their job and their work over here. And then when Jesus is done teaching, it gets really 
interesting. Pick up in verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took in nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. I think we really don't over-spiritualize it. I think Luke, in the way he words it, this is what is going on in Peter's mind. He's probably thinking, much like we do. <laughs> I'm a fisherman, Jesus. I know my trade. You're a carpenter, preacher. I know when to fish, and we don't always know where the fish are, but we got ways, and last night didn't work so good. We missed where all the fish were, but it's hot. This was a very demanding request. Again, don't get the picture. Hey, <laughs> go fishing. Oh, cool, man, the line. Like, I don't, I don't understand fishermen for the life of me. I don't get it. I like to chase, I can chase a ball around for five hours in the trees and everything and hit it, but fishing does not make sense to me. For some of you, it might. But it wasn't that kind of fishing. This is work. I can relate to painting. Hey, go lay out all your tarps again. Go tape off everything and spray. I'm tired. What are you doing? I've already painted it. <laughs> it's like paint it again or something. So they're tired. The nets are probably already packed up. And now my carpenter, or put it in the negative, now my non-fisherman preacher friend tell me to go work some more in the hot of the day. Not a good time for fishing. To find fish. Or to in, <laughs> because of the heat. He's probably a little because notice he does not say cool Jesus said go fish we're going to go fish and catch a bunch of fish not what he says he says we've worked all night long there's no fish here you can't catch anything in this part of the lake that was one part of Peter it's the part we carry with us all the time too but there's another part of Peter at this point he has grown to know this carpenter preacher. And he's grown to know him enough that he really respects him. Okay. He doesn't know he respects him yet about fishing. I mean, again, he's probably thinking, I'm the fisherman, you do the teaching about God stuff real well and the rabbi stuff really well. But he just respects him enough, and so he says, but at your word. Just another way to say, Jesus, I wouldn't do this for anybody else. It's Peter. He'd tell him where to go. But Jesus, Jesus, at your word means it's because you, I've grown so much to respect you and your ministry, who you are. I, he can't, I don't, Peter hasn't figured all this out yet. He's not sure who he really is. But I... At your word, 
I'll do it. Let's go, guys. Get back in. Jesus is in a boat with him to do work. Peter, from that day on, will continue to grow, to understand, and to know this Jesus as the God-man who commands such crazy as every one of us, even 2,000 years later, who have come to Jesus, have and will continue to experience such requests of us. Jesus' word comes to Peter, comes to me, comes to you, demanding something. And we Bach worked all night long. But what we see here on the beach that day is that the grace of God sometimes, like with Peter, moves a person to go on to say, but at your word. I'll do it. But where's it coming from? Somehow it's down there saying, I trust you know what you're doing. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but you're Jesus. And I trust that when you tell me something, you know what you're doing. So I'll go out, get my guys back in the boat, the boats here, they're about 7 feet wide, 25 feet long. I don't know, what's that, here to the wall? Let's go work. Or when Jesus says, cast your nets to us like uh, Ephesians 6. Pray in the Spirit at all times. That's impossible. What are you talking about? And I'm still not sure I know. But there's a balking and then there's... Okay, at your word, so... Instead of just refusing, help me. Teach me. What does that mean? How, do, how can I do that better? Uh, he says, Do not store up treasures on earth where moss and rust gather can just away, but store up treasures in heaven. He, he says, live for eternity. Every day in the decisions you make. And then there's a part of it that feels like cast your nets at 11.30 a.m. in a hot sun after not sleeping all night. Tithing? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, Jesus. I mean, look, you're not a fisherman and you're not an economist either. I can understand that after the earning of money, I can pay all my bills and I, I can feed my babies and I can put clothes on my children and get them in sports and pay for gasoline. It makes sense that way. Then oh, oh, we're in such deep credit card 
debt, tens of thousands of dollars. So, after I pay all that, let's work it this way, then, maybe we'll take a little percentage of that. But, this first fruits off the top Bible stuff, that is kooky. That's how it feels. Throw your net. He says to us, believer, and you put your name in here, throw the net of loving one another with your time. That, that, that doesn't work. That's 11.30 a.m. casting your net most of the time in our lives. With your time when there's a need there. With your treasure. With your particular giftings God gave you. You are like no other human being on the planet. And so he constantly commands us like Peter. Love one another. But Lord, you don't understand my church or this person or this. This is our struggle like Peter's on the beach. What Jesus is doing here with Peter, interpreted is saying, do you, Peter, trust me? What are you saying to us? In the book, is do you believe her? Trust me. Now, look at the result in verses 6 and 7. And when they had obeyed, done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So here's these tired fishermen, and I have to believe they were shocked awake <laughs> just because this is not merely catching fish. This was a miracle. This doesn't happen like this at high noon for sure, but not even at 3 a.m. for sure. This is a nature miracle. This is the same thing with God parting the Red Sea. This is the same thing of what Jesus will do later. And He'll speak to the weather. And it will obey Him. Pick up verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw this, remember, they're out there now. Jesus didn't get out of the boat. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Okay, now, what the heck's going on here? Feel the logic of this text. 
Here it is. This is the logic of the grammar that we get. Because they obeyed, and then of this miraculous catch of fish, therefore, Peter responds. Woe is me. Meaning, very bad for me. Something happened with Peter in his relationship with Jesus that has not happened to this point yet. Now, whether he's seen miracles, he, Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And he probably said, thanks. <laughs> I don't tell jokes in the pulpit. But this was very close to home, evidently. This is his livelihood. This is his trade. This is how he makes money and feeds his family. He knows fishing really well. And this guy is in control of fish. It's not that Peter goes, I got it all, I got my theology down, I'm going to write a, a letter like Paul will eventually do on Romans and explain. He doesn't understand all what's happening. But what did happen in some sense was, this is more than I ever expected. Somehow, God is here with this person. Something's different. And so, get away from me then. You don't understand. There's something about that experience where Peter was overwhelmed with the truth of his own secrets. The truth of how he knows even the things he doesn't do but thinks about. He's overwhelmed with introspection by God's grace. You know, Sigmund Freud is famous for numbers of things, but one thing he's famous for in his thinking, he's psychoanalyzing the world, is his opinion on what religion is. Religion, it's all man-made, and the way he would set it, and the way he did say it, is that religion comes from this thing called wish fulfillment. Because all human beings, we live in this world and it's painful and it's hard. And then there's this idea, only if things could be this way or end up this way or be an eternity or a future and then we put our hope in that kind of a world, we create that and therefore religions evolve because there's a lot of scary stuff in life. Storms can be very scary if you're on an ocean. Okay, okay, we got a God of the ocean, and we got another God of the storm, and we put names to them, and we can do systems of appeasing them with sacrifice. You know, religion develops, and it makes you feel like you got a little bit more control. There's some truth to that, I think, in all the false religions of the world. But you know what? If you know this book, if you read this book, 
that idea of wish fulfillment, the idea, I want my life to at least feel a little bit less scary, you cannot get that out of biblical Christianity. If the Bible were a man-made religious system in order to bring comfort then it never would have so constantly and blatantly presented one holy God. A holy God is the most frightening thing in the world. To sin polluted people. And like Joe LeMay. It's not an accident as we will continue to go through the Gospel of Luke that those people who were the most against this Jesus of Nazareth and wanted and sought to put Him to death were those who were most deceived about themselves in religion the religious leaders most deceived about their standing with God it is better to have what happened to Peter happen on this side of the grave to have those blinders stripped away and realize you're holy I see myself clear. Depart from me, please. Then have those blinders stripped off on Judgment Day. The self-awareness that's going on in Peter or us is a sign of the grace of God. That sense, we're not done with this sermon yet, but that sense, depart, get away from me, I see how ugly and real I am, I'm in touch, and I feel my guilt, is the first sign of saving faith. That moving toward God. This is the proper response to encountering the one true holy God. Do you remember Isaiah 6? God gives Isaiah a vision. And he in a way he had never seen before. He sees the Lord high and lifted up on His throne. And what's His response? Cool! It's not. His response is, Woe is me because I, Isaiah, am a man of unclean lips. That sounds a lot like Peter's Jesus.
Jesus is standing in the boat. He made fish jump in. God's here in a way I've never seen before. And therefore, get away from me, please. Because of my unclean lips and heart. Job reacted the same way at the end of the book. Quote, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Inference? What do you infer? What, what kind of conclusion do you draw from that, Job? Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Peter's partner, John, one of the sons of Zebedee, he's there this day, and about 60 years later, about 90 years old or so, last apostle alive, he'll be on the island of Patmos, and Jesus will give him a vision to see him. And this is how John, the son of Zebedee, responds. Quote from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. When I saw Jesus, I fell at His feet as though dead. So on this beach that day, Peter's response to Jesus, don't miss this, is Grace. It's grace working in his heart. This kind of inner grievance. Not like bummer, I got caught, or this. An encounter with the one true Creator who made you. That brings the reality of your sin and the grief over it. That is a prerequisite for the forgiveness of your sins. And so, in verse 10, Jesus responds to Peter. Do not be afraid. <laughs> From now on, you will be catching Men, not fish. And when they, plural, particularly he must be meaning Andrew and James and John, and when they, plural, brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Okay, so let's get it then. Here's the question. He's in the boat. Peter really has this sense. So do you put him in some psychiatrist, therapist office and say, yeah, you really ought not feel that? What's going on here? Is that what Jesus is doing? Okay, okay. Peter feels guilty. Jesus says, stop fearing. The 
question is, was Peter right about his sin? Was he right about what he felt? The answer is yes. He was just as right as Isaiah the prophet when he was seeing the Lord high and lifted up. Remember what happened. The Lord sent the angel in the coal of fire. And then Isaiah said in verse 7 of Isaiah 6, quote, And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. So Jesus is not denying the reality and the horrendous deserved consequences of Peter's sin. But what, what is going on in a large picture? No, Peter doesn't have it all put together. And Jesus doesn't say all these words here, but this is what is going on in the hall. Because Jesus has come to preach to you, Peter, the good news of the kingdom of God. What's going on? Jesus is saying, I know, Peter. And Jesus, in His words, by saying, fear not, and this is what I'm going to do, is because Jesus knows I'm going to the cross to be punished for your sins. You can follow me. Don't fear. I've got that covered for you, Peter. Jesus knows. Peter will understand more fully one day. I, Peter, this screwed up, speak before you think, lust, Full, lying, cheating, fisherman. He will say one day, and know more and more clearly, I have been justified. By faith, I believe, I know Him, and He paid my sin, and He, Jesus, unlike me, lived the perfect human life. You don't know all this now, but that, Jesus knows it. And that's why He says, I've called you Peter. You, Peter? Don't fear. I'm not going to flee from you. Not only that, Peter. Come. I'm going to make you one of my very close associates. If I can cause fish to jump in a net, I can cause the disgusting, sinful you to be so changed and become a close friend of me, the Holy God in truth. Humanity. I thought I, I have to go to a one more text. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm not done. But I've got to go to this text. I kept thinking, should I not? i got to. Because there's another time where Peter's at the Sea of Galilee and he goes fishing. A couple years 
later, after he then dropped his fishing business and was full-time hanging with Jesus in his ministry, getting to know Him, hearing Him, having personal discussions with Him, loving Him, caring about Him, and even saying, I'll die with you. Yeah, he knew his sin then. And somehow he knew the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness. And he's hearing parables and sermons and something's happening in him. And that same night, he's stunned. The one who commands fish is arrested? It's scary. And slugged? He follows. Is this really happening? He's in the courtyard of the high priest? That's a scary situation. Hey, you're one of his disciples hanging with this Jesus guy, aren't you? No! Yeah, I've seen you. I don't know him. Can you relate? He knows his sin. Sunday came. You ever think of why some of the words we have of Jesus having first come to new resurrection life after being rock hard, cold, and brain totally cut off and all activity gone for many hours, that one of the things you said, you go tell, ladies, <laughs> go tell my apostles, okay? And Peter. And Peter talked with his master. After his death. And, and so this is going on for numbers of weeks. And then Peter and some of the other disciples go back up to homeland Galilee. And they're waiting. And they've been instructed by Jesus post-resurrection. And then there's this day where Peter says, You know what, guys? I've got to make some money here. Let's get in the boats. And he's with six other of the disciples. And let's go fishing. And I pick up in the Gospel of John in chapter 21, verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered Him, No. And He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat. And you will find a catch. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, John, the son of Zebedee, he was there a couple years earlier, that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. 
When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had stripped for work, and he threw himself into the water. Not to drown himself, to get to Jesus faster. This is the gospel. A couple years earlier, I want to flee from your holiness. And the answer was not deceive yourself about your sin. He knew his sin probably more than any of us will ever know it. The answer was knowing his sin, knowing himself, knowing the Jesus he walked with for a few years and seeing him in his resurrection and believing. It was knowing the gospel that causes us Flee to Jesus in our sin. The more we know Jesus, this gets turned around in teaching sometimes in the church. Totally the opposite of the truth. The more we know personally, intimately Jesus, the more we know our sin. And the more we rest in the gospel of justification, set right with God by nothing you do, but only what that carpenter So, believer, in your walk, don't run from Jesus when you sin. Run like Peter to Him. And if need be, the boat's going to be too slow, jump off and swim really fast. So what? We see at this point in what God the Holy Spirit gives us through this Dr. Luke on the Sea of Galilee is that Peter and Andrew and James and John this day they dropped everything. And Jesus told them, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, there's a lesson there. The lesson is not that everyone is to drop their particular trade or vocation, become full-time in ministry like these guys. It's not the lesson. But there's a lesson for all who are caught into the net of the kingdom by Jesus. And that is, in our differing avenues, whether full-time or a full-time mother, He makes us fishers of people. See, this passage, in a nutshell, you think about it. This is, this is how I put it, what's going on. Here's my nutshell of it. That the sovereign, absolutely sovereign Lord, who causes fish to jump into a net, He catches fish. He catches people into His net sovereignly. 
And He then takes those who are fish and turns them into fishermen of people. And not, not merely that, the what He does in taking those and to be fishermen of people is that they fish with the net of the Word of God, of the Gospel, of teaching. And they teach it. They proclaim it. They share it. They talk over coffee with it. They become preachers of it. They become mothers at Mothers and Me or at the store with it as crushed, broken sinners who are so thrilled at the Gospel that saves them to enjoy this Jesus forever. And so they cast the net to bring more in. The real comparison is not merely, the comparison is clearly there. You fish, fish jump in. I'm going to make you guys fishers of men. You're going to be evangelists. You're going to be preaching the gospel and catch men for eternity. Alive to God instead of fish to be killed and eaten. That's there. But in the text, in its context, there's something deeper there. It's this Peter, James, John, Joe, Alex, Teresa. Put your name in there. It is just as you trust Me, Jesus, the Sovereign One, I will bring to Me whom I will bring. Just as you trust Me, When I say cast the net and actual fish jump in it. So Peter, James, and John, trust me, the sovereign one, as I send you out to fish. He is sovereign. It is only by Jesus' power and authority that fish jump into the net or human beings come alive into the kingdom of God. But... He does it by means that He ordains. It was Peter and James and John and Andrew and their crews. It was those people who brought in the fish into the boat. But it was Jesus behind it all. Behind the means. And what is clear in this passage is that the net for the people is preach. Teach. Unfold. Keep saying. Go deeper with the truth of the Word of God. I think that's why Luke begins the passage this way. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the Word of God. That's supposed to sit there in everything else we hear. Jesus and Luke letting us know, saying, He's fishing for men! And He's doing it by sitting down taking his time 
and teaching and teaching and people hearing the Word of God. In the context, it is explicit that Jesus Himself brings people into the kingdom through the means of other fish who have been caught in the kingdom who also are teaching, talking over food with, in the living room, unfolding the Word of God. Not by man-made contrivances or appeals or little simple slogans and, you know, let's not get too complex here or teach, but they're saying those slogans. They're saying the simple things and they don't stop and say, let's get it. Let's think more about it. They are teaching. It involves a lot of teaching. That is true evangelism does. All power and authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make, not just people to come up and sign a card and say a prayer, but make disciples, make students, teaching them how to observe, actually, all the content of the doctrine. That's what he's saying. That's all part of evangelism. And so, as we constantly pray as people, as we pray, God, use me as a fisher of people more, not only in your own life, as we pray as Sovereign Grace Fellowship for wisdom on how can we have newer and better and more wise nets as means to throw. God, do that. Bring in unbelievers. Give us wisdom. We do it in different ways now. We can always grow. Sunday morning, home groups, men's women, uh, women's meetings, men's meetings. What other meetings is on your heart? Well, going out into places that are there where there are people laying in old folks' home with no one to visit. Or just your individualizing God providentially brings you. As we pray, as we pray and say, God, do this. I close with remember the deepest lesson that the most effective witnesses are those who are like Peter. They have a very exalted view of Jesus. And as they proclaim this gospel in whatever setting, they do it as those who are painfully aware of their own unworthiness to be His witnesses. So, that is to give us the confidence. Trust Jesus' bait to catch fish. Because it's the only way He catches them. Interpretive. Trust all the Scripture. Don't be afraid of it. Teach it. Lay it out. Be clear, straightforward, honest, and broken and humbled by it. 
as one of these sinners you want to reach. And then trust the sovereign Lord who is Lord over fish and Lord over souls. And as we're singing, be preparing your heart as you receive the bread and the cup, His body, His blood that purchased Peter, that purchased you if you're His. Father, Thank you for catching us up into the kingdom of your eternal Son, Lord Jesus. May we taste more clearly what it has been and what it is to have been caught. to have had you cause us as dead, sinful fish to jump into your nest. And would you give us boldness? More boldness. A little bit more boldness even to catch wayward Lost, sinful fish to the glory of your name.